yo, yo, it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation. Today, I am super excited to talk with you about our guest. She is an author and somebody that I met through a divine connection who's writing about the divine. So how cool is that? Um, Mary Jackson is a licensed clinical professional counselor in private practice and a graduate of Loyola College. Uh, Mar Maryland's, uh, that's Maryland School of Pastoral Counseling. She holds two master's degrees, the first studying educational psychology and the second in counseling, followed by an advanced study in pastoral counseling. So Mary knows her stuff. And she has written a book called Presence. It's called Recognizing the Divine in Your Everyday Life. What I'd like to do is just read to you that this is a book that's about the search for connection between you as a beloved creation of the divine and the mystery hidden in plain sight here right on earth. Presence is for people who love their faith, but who have that gut feeling that there could be more. So if this is speaking to you, you want to tune in. Mary, welcome to the show. Hi, Travis. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for asking. Oh, yes. Thank you. I, I just knew as you told me about your book and, and I was just getting to know you as a person, I'm like, oh, it should be such a great guest for the Overcomers podcast, because to me, overcoming, uh, when we're overcoming, a lot of times we're leaning on our faith, <laughs> or sometimes we're finding it for the first time. Um, you know, that happens too in these overcoming situations. But uh, Mary, you know, I, I definitely have some questions for you. I, I even got into the the nursery rhymes and, and things that you've done. But, uh, you know, first, I, I guess let's just start at the beginning. What inspired you to write your book? You know, it came from a conversation that somebody had some time ago. And uh, if you can if you can picture this scene, you have students in a school and you know how inquisitive they are. Um, and they're talking to their professor and challenging him, of course, in saying, uh, so I had, I had this question and the question was, um, you know, if God spoke to all these people, especially in the Old Testament, right? Um, if God spoke to all those people all the time, how come God doesn't speak to us now? Mm. Yeah. And apparently another teacher was walking down the hall and uh, overheard the question and yelled the answer in and said, God is speaking. You just don't know how to listen. Mm-hmm. So that um, that event, and you know, this is like part of what the the book is about, is that sometimes these events happen to us. They can happen like how how long did that take? Maybe fifteen seconds. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes these events can happen to us in our lives that are so profound and just shift us on our path that they are divinely inspired, and we know they're divinely inspired because they do shift us so. Mm -hmm. So this this event uh, shifted a friend of mine, mm -hmm. and um, and I got to know him and uh, work with him first as a student, then as a co-presenter, 
and um, and he was a teacher and a mentor of mine. And through his influence and through um, a lifelong search on my own for kind of what this spiritual path all means, um, I came to the point in my life where um, I was called to put it together in a form that um, that uh, you know came out as this book, Presence, um, recognizing the divine in your everyday life. Because if if you can't recognize the divine in your every life, everyday life, you know what what's what's it all for? Yeah, I mean, I think church is great, you know, and I've been a churchgoer on and off all my life. Um, not uh, what you would necessarily call devout, but enthusiastic at times. And, um, you know, and so I like church. I'm not against church, but it's not about church. It's about your life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you live your life every moment all the time. So if the divine's not there all the time, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're missing a lot there. Yeah, really good. Really good. You know, we don't just want to get fed on Sundays and then starve the rest of the week. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, we, you've alluded a little bit to your own spiritual path. Can we talk a little bit about that? Like, you know, what has been your spiritual journey? I know that um, you were uh, you grew up in the Protestant faith, if I remember what I read. Uh, so um, can you tell us a little bit about how that evolved for you? Sure, I, I'd be happy to. Um, it, you know, I always had the feeling that I was companioned. I, I always felt like um, uh, someone or something was uh, always there with me. So um, from the time I can be as little as I can remember, I was always seeking because I had the sense that it was there. So my family was not religious. Um, they thought church was something that you went to, um, I guess, because that made you kind of like a good person or a good citizen. So I went, but I did not go with my family, which is kind of really interesting. They kind of sent me off because that's what you did with kids, right? Uh, but they didn't go themselves. And although I didn't find necessarily the most fulfillment out of that experience, I did find that um, there was a mystery there that I was yet to uncover. And so um, I've been a seeker and looking for what that meant. And I guess the first time that it really came kind of front and center was when I started going to um, you know, the kind of the new age stuff was coming up in the 80s and that kind of thing. It was very popular. And I was starting to go to uh, week-long workshops and, that, and retreats and things like that, that it became more and more evident that um, there was an incredibly powerful, um, real presence Mm -hmm. that I, I was sure of, but had no knowledge of. I had that sense that um, I needed to look into it. And so I looked into it in every way I possibly could. Grew up Episcopalian, probably didn't go to church for maybe 10 or 12 years. 
started searching all the different Protestant churches that there are, you know, if you look up in the directory. Um, <laughs> and then finally settled on a Quaker meeting and found a real home in Quaker meeting for the last 30 years. Wow. Wow. Okay. For our audience uh, that may not be familiar with what it is uh, to be a Quaker, can you describe that? Uh, can, you, can you describe the, the Quaker yeah. culture, Quaker way of life? Sure. What I, what I like the most about um, a Quaker meeting is that uh, the premise is that there is an individual relationship with you and the divine of your understanding, and that it is a very individual relationship not dictated by dogma and not in, it dictated by any kind of organization per se. Um, so there is that. However, there are tenets that are important in the Quaker faith, uh, Quaker faith and practice. One is that there is that of God in everyone. So it was one of the first religions that I came across that really believed that um, everyone was a child of God. And that everyone had all of the, um, I guess you would call the, the the abundance of being able to receive the gifts of God and, uh, and that you didn't have to really ascribe to any one particular thing in order to do that. Um, so I like that. They are a peace church. They do believe that, uh, b believe in nonviolence. Um, because to kill another person is then, you know, to destroy the child, another child of God. Mm -hmm. It's not such a good thing. Right. Um, so, uh, so it, it, that resonated with me, that whole kind of philosophy resonated with me. And then their practice resonated with me because I was not particularly very, um, taken by, um, you know, prescribed prayers mm -hmm. and repeating ritual and tradition. I, I love tradition like we all do, uh, but not as something that was inspiring in the way that, uh, that I felt worship that I wanted to have as worship. And so a uh, Quaker meeting is actually mostly a silent meditation. And to be in a room with, with people who are, you know, opening themselves to be connected is in itself an energy that is really very profound. Um, and, and I felt very moved by that. Mm -hmm. uh, people do speak in a, in a Quaker meeting from time to time, but they speak because they feel that they are inspired to share mm -hmm. um, as opposed to just like, you know, talking about something because it's their turn or something like that. Right, and right, so right. the things that the things that are spoken of in Quaker meeting, it could be just one or one or two messages. It's very much on um, um, on a basis of, you know, you might get one message in a Quaker meeting, or you might get five. You don't know, um, but it it comes from the heart and the soul, and it's and it's it's really inspired um, from from a divine connection. Wow. Sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. So this has been quite a spiritual journey, and I actually share the Episcopal part with you. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. that's how I was uh, brought up, which isn't that different than Catholic, and it was a little, uh, maybe a little too regimented for me. I, I definitely experienced some of the uh, New Age that you mentioned. Um, uh, you know, I know that we uh, 
we both shared a common interest in uh, Wayne Dyer. I, I like the fact that he's risen above religious labels. He'll quote this thing and this thing and, you know, kind of blend it all together in a beautiful way. Um, what I do know, and I love what you just shared, is that it seems to be a common thread amongst many beliefs that we're all coming from a source and returning to a source. And when you said that the Quakers believe that there's that of God in everyone, it's like, you know, if you believe that you've come from a source and so does someone else, <laughs> then you are all one, right? And you all go you're going to become one again. Uh, so that's really awesome. Uh, when it comes to this book, recognizing the divine in your everyday life, I, I know from uh, reading this book that there's uh, some surprising ways that we can see the divine. But if you were to share a little bit about the book, um, what are some of the ways that you hope that people can realize that it's not just something to be found on Sundays, but it's something to be observed uh, in multiple ways? Uh, what are some of the ways that you'd share about that right now? Sure. Thanks for asking, Travis. Um, well, you know, I opened the book with a chapter that's called Favorite Things. And I, I like that because, you know, we all have our favorites, right? You have your favorite flavor, you have your favorite color. Um, you have activities that you love to do, and um, and and you love to provide those to the people that you love. You know, I remember very much. You know, when my children were little, and I would be going about my my own way, whether I was, you know, going to a store or whether I was listening to something that was an opportunity for an adventure. I would think to myself, oh, that would be wonderful for them. And I think that they would love that. And it gave me, and I'm sure it's given you, that it's an extra special feeling, isn't it? You know, mm -hmm. think about your best friend, for example, Travis. And think about, you know, how much you love your best friend. And when you, when you, you find something, it could be a silly saying or it could be a, a, a little... Uh, a little ornament or or whatever it could be um, that you know is special to your friend, that it gives you just that wonderful sense to be able to give that gift. And um, and the whole idea of, of, of thinking about it, getting it, anticipating giving it, being in the presence of your friend or your child when you give it, it's all, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a really special, it's, that's kind of a divine feeling that mm -hmm. you have. And um, that's purposeful. And it, it's, it gives me the idea that I get the opportunity to have my favorite things as a gift from the divine source that, I, that, is, um, that it is my sense of the divine presence is that how lovely is it that I like something and get to experience it, you know, and it could be, you know, a food or an activity or a color or whatever is that we have this sense of, of experiences here on earth mm -hmm. that are for our happiness. Mm. And that drawing us to our happiness is something that is constantly available to us. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I start off 
with the idea of being aware of what those what those things are in our lives that really are pretty incredible and the whole sense of what it means to receive and to give those favorite things. So that's kind of how we start off. Well, you're making me, you're making me appreciate a couple of different things there. I would say the first thing that I appreciate about what you just said is that just like I was uniquely created uh, to have a certain color eyes, uh, you know, I was uniquely created to have a certain appreciation. And if I could go deeper into my gratitude, I could be grateful for just the fact that I can experience a feeling called happiness, right? Like that's that's pretty neat in itself, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? And that and that that is something that we're able that we're able to actually do. Mm -hmm. And that and that and that is when you think about it, when you think kind of about like if you were talking about something like a prime motivator, isn't happiness kind of that yeah. and and to me it it reminds me of you know when we're fully connected with the divine that that is the state of supreme happiness mm -hmm. and so all these little tiny things that we get you know whether it's liking chocolate ice cream whatever it might be you know constantly reminds us of how it feels to be supremely connected. And it's not just that we're connected to the divine, but we're connected to each other too. Mm -hmm. Because the divine includes, like you're included. You're right. included in that, you know? And, and so that's one of the reasons why, you know, when you and I met and, and you and I continue getting to know each other, that that brings us that level of happiness because we're meant to. Mm -hmm. right yeah you know i, I at the uh I, I just i just keep going back to that there's that of god in everyone and uh that, that's such a powerful expression that we're talking about here because when we recognize that in each other when we get past what's superficial and we feel that true connection you know it's like we're connecting with somebody that's uh you know sharing uh you know we're a unique expression uh, you know, there's only one of us, but we're we're still expre an expression of God. You know how how really cool that we can connect in that way and say, "Oh, wow, I recognize this part of you," and and it makes me happy to connect with you, and and I'm happy because you know it's like the light in me recognizes the light in you, as they say when they say Namaste, right? It's the Namaste piece of it. It really is. So the book starts with favorite things, and and I, I go through the first half. of The book basically talks about more kinds of things, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, things for example that repeat in your life, um, and and you know we have we live a life of repetition, uh, you know, you know I, I use the example of you know a sunrise and a sunset. We don't. We, it's not like we just get that one time, you know. We get it over and over and over and over. Our breathing, mm -hmm. you know, we don't get just one breath, right. God, you know, we, we, we breathe over and over. We eat over and over. Our bodies function over and over. So many things are repeated. And then, of course, there are our life experiences. As you well know, you know, if we screw up, guess what? 
we pretty much get another chance to try it again. You know, the universe kind of presents that to us that we give another chance and like think about how many times we get that over and over. So the, the recognizing things that repeat in our life, it's kind of like the wake up call. Like if I were to say to you, for example, if I were to say, Travis, you, you may not, maybe you're busy, maybe you're thinking about something else, you're not paying attention, right? Mm -hmm. But I, if I were to say, Travis, Travis, mm -hmm. You know, now I've repeated your name, right? And, it, you know, it has it has more weight, it has more impact, doesn't it? If I were to say it three times, it would be even more impactful. And, and you would really kind of turn around and pay attention, you know, even if we were in a big crowd or whatever. And so when we look at things that repeat in our lives, events, people who continue to come into our lives over and over and over, um, th that that's something to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that, you know, it's like listening to the language of God. And, and that's kind of like what we have to do is we have to pay attention to what does that really mean? And when things repeat, it, it's alerting us to pay attention. And, and so that's, that's one of the pieces as well. And then there are the events that, that occur in our lives that are so sometimes monumental you know i gave an example in the beginning of when we first got together um of uh the student who asked that question and this teacher who walked by in the in the hallway um that sometimes the tiniest of events become the most profound teachers in our lives mm -hmm. um and and they might appear minor but how many times have you told someone of an event that might not have seemed like it was much, but it never leaves you and you, and you return to it all the time? These are all clues of the presence that, you know, were we to just pay attention and say, oh, I get it now. You know, it's like learning a new language. I, I, I often say that it's like, you know, we learn all kinds of languages, even though we don't realize it. Um, you know, when we were a kid, I, did you have a good humor truck in your neighborhood? A good humor? No, I did not. You didn't? Oh, we had good humor trucks in our neighborhood. Uh, it was a little ice cream truck where you could get um, like an ice cream bar. Oh, know, okay. Especially okay. in the summer. Yeah, we And have. they would have a special bell. Uh-huh. And I mean, like you could be in your house as 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 a like a an eight year old, and uh, listen to that bell, and you knew exactly what it meant. It meant ice cream, and you went running out of your house to get the ice cream from the ice cream truck. And so we we learn we learn other languages, you know, the bell on the ice cream truck, or we know what it means to have a, a siren. A, you know, an ambulance siren or any other kinds of things that we learn. So why can't we learn this language of God? Mm. You know, why can't we learn to recognize when these things are happening to us? And so the first part of the book is about recognizing that. You know, I think the popular term is like being mindful, but it's more than that. This is like specific techniques, specific kinds of things, not just you know, just not, it's more than just paying attention. Really good. So 
you know, things that repeat in your life, you know, I, I already have a rule to where if somebody tells me about a certain book more than once, you know, maybe three times, I'm like, oh, well, I, I better, yeah, better, better do it. That. You know, like, you know, life's life is talking to me right now, or God is talking to me or the universe or whatever label you want to put on that. But it's funny how sometimes our steps are directed, right? There could be a person that, you know, comes up in conversation and then you somehow see something else about the person and then you recognize uh, something on the mantle that they gave you and you're like, oh, maybe I better reach out to that person and see how they're doing. Yeah, it doesn't go away, does it? Yeah, and it's pay attention. Yeah. Basically, it's saying pay attention. There's something you need to, to, to recognize here. So pay attention. And the second half of the book kind of goes into a, like a little bit of a different, uh, a, 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 a different energy, although it builds from the first half. And the second half starts by talking about how our how our soul nature is. Now, of course, obviously, you're familiar with the energy of the soul from the chakras and that kind of thing. But this is, also gives you kind of like a, a new or different sense of soul soul energy in that um, that we have the choice of coming from a part of us that is so divinely inspired that it comes from good and it produces good. Uh, and then there is that if, because we're experiencing and learning this, because all this is about learning, right? Um, is that there's a part of that that um, that, that comes from that thing that happens to us when we've come into our bodies and we become fearful, you know, due to the fragility and the materialism of our bodies and um, all the things that kind of turn us away from the experience that we came from when we were fully connected. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, um, one is kind of like coming from a, a mind of God or a God mind. I use a little shorthand version calling that the G mind. Right. And then some of it comes from that as the individual, what I am like, what's what I want, how I am, what's important to me. And it's, it's all me, me, me. Right. And um, I call that the I mind. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's really understanding yourself in, in a way that helps you kind of feel the difference mm -hmm. between coming from a place within you where it's coming from you and attaching outward that is good for you and good for others. So, you know, if I'm, for example, and, and like I do this, we all do it. Okay. It's not like, you know, it's not like anybody's like great at this, but if I'm like all about like, what do I look like and how do I appear? And like, I, I, I need to, you know, pay attention to like what kind of car I drive or stuff like that. You know, eh, it doesn't have a whole lot to do with right. you know, a divinely inspired uh, motivation um, but if I, but if I, if my heart opens up 
to you in a way where, you know, I'm embracing perhaps your sadness and holding that with you simply because I know that you are another child of God and I want to hold you in that way. I, I know that I'm coming from a place that is deeply connected. I'm deeply connected to um, the greater source mm-hmm. when I'm coming from that place and to recognize, you know, like I talk the, th- the thing about, about the car, but I've also, I've also said, you know, maybe I'm looking for, you know, a bigger car because I want to make sure that there's enough room for my family to all travel together. Mm-hmm. So that comes from a different place. Um, and so it starts there and then it goes into what's really the, the language of God. And that is that we are pretty much symbolic, you and I, and our learning really, our deeper learning comes from symbolism. And when we look at our literature, because isn't it our language that really makes us so special and unique, when we look at our literature, and we look at the symbolism of our literature, the written word that um, that we discover a new and different mystery. Mm. Um, you know, yeah, I, I remember reading in your book that you even uh, pointed out uh, that Mary had a little lamb uh, nursery rhyme. Right? Are uh, are we going to go? towards something like that as an example or we can use that as an example i mean you know first of all we kind of like t- we take the back door on this mm-hmm. because um i mean would you say that that's pretty much a universal nursery rhyme that we kind of almost all know i mean if you stopped you know i don't know 10 people who were native americans um in um in a random order, they would probably all know Mary had a little lamb, at least the first verse or two. I mean, it's pretty, it's like, we all know it. So why do we all know it? Why is that so important? Well, it's because um, it speaks, it's a symbolic way of speaking to a deeper truth. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when we talk about, you know, our biblical literature, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Um, Mary did have a little lamb Mm -hmm. because we call Jesus the lamb of God. Wow. And when you talk about the fleece being as white as snow, we use, we use whiteness in this, in this way as that of purity and the fleece. When you think about the fleece surrounding the lamb, it's almost like the aura or the halo surrounding the, that, that purity of, 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 of the the whiteness and the purity surrounding this lamb. Mm-hmm. So Mary had a little lamb whose fleece was white as snow. And everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. And, you know, and, and that is that, again, that connection, that, mm-hmm. that, that maternal child connection that would always be connected. The school that they talk about in this in this nursery rhyme represents kind of like the institution, mm-hmm. like kind of the earthly thing, the earthly building, you know. And um, and and the teacher in this case is kind of the the, the person who is the the head of the school, right? 
And what, is, and what does the head of the school do? Kicks Mary and the lamb out because the lamb, the lamb, this beautiful divine source of love is not invited or welcome into this institution because again, this goes to that G mind, I mind thing because the school in this case is the I mind, it's the institution. The lamb is the G mind. And so the, the, the poem goes on uh, with, with more uh, symbolism than that. And there are others, other nursery rhymes and other fairy tales that also ref, uh, reflect that. I, I would ask you also, you know, with the, um, uh, just one more place for us to dive into. And, and I think it represents this idea of oneness, um, uh, maybe a piece of the G mind. Uh, when you spoke about St. Francis's prayer in your book, can, can you talk a, a little bit about that, uh, a little bit about what you'd hope the reader would gain from that section? You know, um, from my understanding, which is very limited, I, I'm not much of an intellectual, Travis, but from, from what I've understood is that people don't think St. Francis even wrote that prayer. Yeah. They, they kind of sort of don't know where it came from, mm. you know, which, you know, I don't care about that. Right. That's right. not important to me. Um, but they call it St. Francis's prayer, which is fine by me because I think St. Francis is, you know, you know, who, who can't love animals, right? Right, right, right. Sure, sure. Um, so here's this prayer that probably wasn't really written by him uh, that came from some some source. source how popular has that prayer been for how long oh my goodness long time you know can you even imagine a time yeah. when i mean it's it's kind of close to i mean it, it's practically biblical even though it's not from the bible think right. about that it's not in the bible but it, it, but it's been around, as we say, a long time. And so we look at those kinds of things uh, from the standpoint of, um, well, if they've been around a really long time like that, there must be something about them that's deeper and more meaningful than just, you know, they're okay. Yeah. And so when we when we look at that, we we look at kind of that that relationship between our draw to the eye mind mm -hmm. and yet the need for us to grow into the g mind um you know one of one of the lines is you know to seek you know not to be understood but to understand others mm -hmm. you know it is and so it's kind of like it's, it's not all about me and that you should you know you should figure me out it's that i need to open myself to understand others yeah. um and so if you go through this that's the sense of that prayer it goes back and forth in each of the lines in terms of saying that it, it it's it's not coming 
from that place of shallowness that's all about you. It's coming from the place that is all about connecting with others and the divine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, it starts what line to- do you like best out of that prayer, Travis? With that, uh, make me an instrument of your peace. You know, if we, uh, there's that of God in everyone, then, you know, what expression am I of God? And I think that when you are talking, uh, sharing so generously with our audience about getting away from the I mind and into the G mind, you know, if I thought like God thought, then where there's injury, pardon where there's doubt, faith, right? Like I would be that expression, right? And so uh, I, I, I've i always appreciated that prayer. I, I think it's just challenging us to be who we're really called to be if we were in alignment with our source that is a source of love and understanding and grace and, and all those uh, things that are, you know, just divinely given. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I really enjoyed looking at the book and saying, wow, okay, look at this. You can see God in a nursery rhyme, you know, and, and just see God in uh, all sorts of just different ways that we can appreciate uh, in everyday life, right? Recognizing the divine in your everyday life. Um, what is it that you would like the uh, end uh, for the reader to have as a takeaway from the book, uh, like a, a result that you hope that uh, by you know, writing this book and that the reader would have? My, my, my sense is that, um, you know, I talk about the divine being a mystery. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I say that because um, I, I have no answers. But I think it's wonderful to start developing questions. Mm-hmm. And I hope what this book does is start developing the questions that perhaps lead people to um, to a direction to at least begin in. You know, I I remember so much, especially as a kid, not knowing any direction to go in. You know, I didn't get it from my family. I mean, it came from a nice family, but I didn't get it from my family, and I didn't get it from church. And I, I didn't know what to do or where to go or what to think or I- any of those things. And like, we're always, we're all there at some point in our lives. Mm-hmm. And to have a sense that gives you, um, that gives you the ability to ask the appropriate questions. And when you think about it, the book started out with a question. And and the question was, you know, if God spoke to us so much in biblical times, why doesn't God speak to us now? And what it really, what the the student was really, think about the setting of that event. It was in a school. It was in a place of learning. It was with somebody who was to teach. And, And the whole sense is, you know, if God is not speaking to me, how do I how do I know how to listen? Mm. So good. You and know, I hope that that's what the book is. And I will say that your your book to me is is 
is even more, you know, if the if the student or other people like the student that was asking that question uh, were asking the question from a closed mind that everything is resolved and that God's no longer talking to us, I think that your book opens our mind to ways that God could be uh, talking to us. Like Einstein said it this way, said either everything in life is a miracle or nothing in life is a miracle. And either God is everywhere or God is nowhere. And I think you've done an excellent job in your book pointing out that God is everywhere. And so, yeah, really awesome. Um, and so how can people get in touch with you, uh, you know, get your book and, you know, connect with you more deeply? Absolutely. Uh, well, you know, the book, like most books, <laughs> you know, available on Amazon, of course, right. you know, and uh, it's in print and um, audible and ebook. So, you know, have at. Um, I will say this is that um, as much as I adore audible books and, and, and uh, I love them myself, the book also has pictures in it. And I would like to I would like to say that, uh, you know, I have a deep connection with uh, the country of Peru and with a charity in Peru called Quechua Benefit, which uh, speaks to the um, the poorest of the poor in the highlands of Peru and the pictures in the book. Uh, hopefully reflect the concepts in the book, I I. I chose pictures that would reflect it of um, mostly, again, students who are from a, uh, a school in the highlands of Peru who come there as, you know, out of abject poverty. And um, if you get the ebook or the print book, you get the pictures. So I hope that that helps um, and helps support that charity as well. Yeah, thanks to so you. That's I how that. you can get it. Beautiful, uh, beautiful. I beg your pardon. Beautiful pictures. Uh, yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, and uh, you can get in touch with me just um, you know on my email address. You can um, you can uh, either go to the website, which is um, presenceeveryday.com. Um, or you can uh, you can certainly email me anytime you want to, and that's Mary Jackson. And the last word after Mary Jackson is Clark C L A R K at yahoo.com. Awesome. Well, Mary, thank you for writing this book, and thank you for being on our podcast today. Thanks, Travis. You know, it's always my pleasure to be with you. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com. Yeah!